0: Exodus, chapter 2, we'll look at verses 11 through the end of the chapter, 22. A little catch up here. Moses' mother, she has built a little ark, put her son in it, placed the ark in the crocodile-infested Nile River, where one of Pharaoh's many daughters happens to find Moses and she has compassion on him. I read in a commentary that Pharaoh had 49 daughters. That's a bunch. <laughs> and one with compassion finds Moses. God is not only preparing Moses, but He even chose Moses' stepmother. And she is a woman of compassion. The daughter of Pharaoh, who has found Moses, she sends Miriam, which is Moses' sister, go find me a nurse for Moses. And in God's providence and in God's way, Pharaoh, the one who ordered the death of the Hebrew babies, It is his family that will preserve this child. And this child will lead all of the Hebrews out of Egypt. And it's not uncommon for God to turn the tables on the plans of Satan and those who follow him. We have a vivid example of this in the book of Esther. You know how wicked Haman, uh, he hated Mordecai, and he plans and plots his death, and he even builds a gallows to hang Mordecai on, and it's Haman that ends up getting hung on that very gallows. Our God delights in nullifying, reversing the plans of Satan and turning those evil plans into what we call his salvation. We just finished the book of Genesis in the last chapter there in verse 20. Uh, Joseph tells his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to save many. God being much greater than the evil plans of Satan. Satan. In the trial of Jesus, all of the Jewish elders, the Roman soldiers, all those in authority, they're conspiring against Jesus. And when Jesus is crucified, you know that Satan is rejoicing because Jesus is now dead. But when Jesus resurrected on the third day, Satan's delight turns into complete defeat. It's the resurrection of Jesus that defeats Satan. And we remember Jesus' word. No one takes my life. I lay it down. Jesus had a plan. And this morning, things may be looking dim for you. You may be going through circumstances that are, are just downright demonic in their origin. And the the future for you may look very bleak, as you look at circumstance, I challenge you then, understand, realize God is for you. You're his child. Romans 8, 28, very popular verse, but it's a very good verse. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And in this saga of Moses, as we will begin our study on Moses as we go through the book of Exodus, God uses Pharaoh's daughter to raise the deliverer of the Hebrews, Moses being raised and nurtured in the very household of the man who pronounced the death sentence upon all the boy babies, Pharaoh. Will now raise Moses. Exodus two, we'll look at verses ten through twenty-two. And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her sons. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way, and he looked that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out on the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting, and he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? And then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. So when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and they filled the troughs Uh, to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flocks. And when they came to Ruil, their father, he said, How is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us to water the flock. So he said to his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that we may eat bread. Then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Zipporah his daughter to Moses, and she bore him a son, and he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. Moses' life is divided up into what we call 40-year segments. Moses is about 40 years old. Uh, He has excelled in these first 40 years in the ways of Egypt. And right at this time, right before he kills the Egyptian, he's in line to be the next pharaoh, the next king. But God has placed in Moses' heart a deep loyalty to his fellow Hebrews and to himself. As we read that Moses looks this way and he looks that way, it's the classic, you know, but he doesn't look up, (laughs) you know. He doesn't look at God. And he kills this Egyptian who's beating a Hebrew, and he hides him in the sand. This only points out that God sees everything. He sees the good. He sees the bad. We can hide our sins are evil deeds from one another and from mankind but you can't hide them from god god knows all moses he he kills the egyptian one day and the next day he goes out and he sees two hebrews fighting and he asks them why are you striking your fellow hebrew your fellow companion and the man's reply is is in verse 14 and he says who made you a prince Who made you a judge over us? Are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian? And you can almost hear the dramatic music in the background. (laughs) Moses at that moment realizes news is out about him murdering the Egyptian. And that is a capital offense. So Moses... He flees to the desert village of Midian, which is on the backside of the desert. Not just out in the desert. It's on the backside of the desert. I don't know. I lived in Southern California a lot of years, and we would go out to the desert to uh, ride our motorcycles and four-wheelers and all this kind of thing. I never found the backside of the desert. I don't know where that is. (laughs) So Moses is there, though. He's on the backside of the desert, and he's sitting at a well. Jethro's daughters come to water their flocks. And uh, by the way, Jethro and Ruel, they're the same person. It's just, you know, it's like Robert and Bob. How do you get Bob out of Robert? I don't know, but, you know, I can get Charles and Chuck, Don and Donald, and that kind of thing. But. Oh, well, Jethro and Ruel, same guy. Moses drives away the shepherds who are bullying the daughters of Jethro because they don't want to wait around. They come there, and they will water their sheep, and uh, your daughters don't like it. That's too bad. But the daughters, this day, they re- home, return home early. And the dad wants to know, what are you doing home so early? and their reply is, an Egyptian delivered us. Moses has not even had enough time on the backside of the desert to take on the dress, the customs of the Midianites. He still looks and dresses like an Egyptian, they said. An Egyptian delivered us. And Uh, Jethro wants to know, well, why haven't you brought him home to eat bread? That's the least you could have done, my daughters, is bring him home and we could have a meal together. But Jethro has learned to be hospitable. Paul had something to say about that in Romans. In Romans 12, 13, uh, Paul tells tells us as believers, as a characteristic, as a believer, you are to be hospitable. Hospitable. (laughs) We are to distribute to the needs of the saints and we are to be given to hospitality. How many of you have taken your pastor out to lunch lately? Just a question. Just a question. Showing hospitality is to be a characteristic of a Christian's life. We are to be that good neighbor. We really are. We're to be that kind neighbor who's willing to help our neighbors. And this is pleasing to God. And Jethro shows Moses hospitality. I missed the hospitality of the South when I lived out in California. Out there, It's the West Coast. Uh, I remember coming back here on a visit and seeing an uncle of mine that I hadn't seen in 35 years. Just kind of called and said, hey, I'm coming through. And he said, oh, if you're coming through, stay overnight, blah, blah, blah. We went to leave his house, my friend and my son, and he gives me a hug. And now this man I haven't seen in 35 years, and he tells me how much he loves me. And I'm thinking... Yeah, right. (laughs) You don't even know me. (laughs) But I was struck by his hospitality. And that was so good and refreshing for me to see. And we're to be that way as Christians. We're to be neighborly. We're to be uh, kind to one another. But Moses ends up marrying one of Jethro's daughters, Zipporah. And we read that Moses was content. To live there on the back side of the desert with Zipporah as his wife. And they have a son and he names him Gershom. And then we have a 40 year gap in between verses 22 and 23 of this chapter. And then we start the second 40 years of Moses' life. Pharaoh has sought Moses to kill him, uh, but he has died. That Pharaoh has died. And the new Pharaoh is very harsh, very mean towards the Hebrews. And he forces them into slavery, into a life of bondage. God knows us, his people, very well. He made us. God knows the quirks of your personality. He gave you that personality. And oftentimes, God will lead us into difficult times. He led the children of Israel into harsh bondage, rigorous labor, so they would desire to be delivered. And God will supply that deliverer. God will allow those difficult times to come into our lives. Those fiery trials. So we, his children, will cry out to him, deliver us. Our Lord is a compassionate, merciful Savior. And for God to show mercy as our Savior... Things have to get a little rough in our life. Or else we would never realize our need of him. People do not get born again or saved when they're on top of the world. They get born again and saved when they're in dire straits, when their world has fell apart. Take a look at your own life. God desires to deliver these Hebrews out of their bondage But the Hebrews must realize, they must understand, they need a Savior. Therefore, life is very difficult for them. And they begin to earnestly cry out to God. And they cry out with groanings. Sometimes words do not suffice. Have you ever got to that point where you're in prayer and you just sit before God and groan? It's okay. It's okay. Sometimes words just do not express our heart and we can only groan before the Lord. The Hebrews, they cry out with groaning and God remembers his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that God remembering is just a way of saying God understands and recognizes what they're going through. God hears and acknowledges the cries of his people. And when we cry out to him, he hears us. I'm so glad that God hears us. But have you ever noticed, I, just like you, think i have a decent prayer life and so forth but my prayers become much more fervent when i'm in need than when i'm on top of the world i can get real serious about prayer when the needs are there i try to be serious with prayer when i'm not in such desperate needs but god hears them And he acknowledges their cry, and he will deliver them. But Moses, his deliverer, is content now, Moses is, to live on the backside of the desert. He's content to be a shepherd. But God has been schooling Moses. He's been schooling him in humility and meekness. Forty years earlier, Moses was more than willing to take on the, uh, the role as deliverer in, in by his own hands. And he even kills an Egyptian, and he ends up breaking up fights between Hebrews. That was when he was 40. But now Moses is about 80. He's about to go into uh, service of the Lord. And he's an old man. He's 80 now, and he's content where he is. A know-nothing, do-nothing life, yet he's content. But you know, all that self-righteous attitude of Moses, that prideful indignation that he held as a Hebrew against the Egyptians, it's all gone now. And now we find Moses is ready for God to use him. When we're empty of ourselves, we're ripe to be used by God. And we hear Moses declare at 80 years of age, Who am I? But you know, Moses, he's made some crucial decisions. And these decisions that he's made back when he was leaving Egypt, they have pleased God. Look at what Moses willfully turned down. Moses was in line to be the next king, the next Pharaoh of the greatest civilization on earth at that time. Untold wealth awaited Moses, supreme power awaited Moses. All authority was his. And if you aren't careful, many would say, this is God's blessing. Look how God's blessed this man, this Hebrew. But it wasn't a blessing to Moses. Many would say, Moses, you're a complete fool to turn down all of the things that await you to be into the next pharaoh but let me read you again hebrews eleven twenty four through 27 just a little <laughs> snippet of that whole faith section it gives us insight into moses by faith moses when he became of age refused to be called the son of pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of god Than to enjoy the passing pleasure of sin. Esteeming the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." Many times in today's world, we will have well-intended friends or family that will actually interfere with a young person's zeal and desire or ambition to serve God. Many times a young person wanting to serve God will hear from a respected friend or family member, you better think twice before becoming a missionary. How are you going to provide for yourself and your family? And what, what about children? And those close to us sometimes find themselves opposing God with their selfish advice. Moses, born, raised in Egypt, lived there 40 years. He lived there 40 years of privilege. A privileged life that only the king's son could have. Now, Egypt is known for their sinful idolatry. They're known to just live life to its fullest in sin. But this does not appeal to Moses whatsoever, for Moses is a man of faith. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses has purposely taken the high moral road. You remember, as a baby, Moses is called beautiful. I believe that's a prophecy concerning the heart of Moses he has a beautiful heart before God and but by the time Moses is 40 years old he's chose the reproaches of Christ greater to behold than the riches of Egypt and the riches were tremendous Moses as In the position as the daughter of Pharaoh, he has seen how debased and how sinful the Egyptian life can be, and it repulsed him. So by faith, Moses knew God had a better plan for him than to indulge himself in the passing sinful pleasures of Egypt. And it says that Moses did not fear the wrath of the king. Rather, Moses has his eyes on him, God, who is invisible. And that's by faith. And for 40 years out there in the desert, that decision that Moses made to take a stand for God For 40 years, it has brought him a difficult life. It's brought him a very boring life. Moses lives a life for 40 years out on the backside of the desert, and it says he followed the sheep. He didn't even care where they went to graze. He just kind of watched over them. But God had a plan for Moses and God's plan for Moses is greatness he's going to be the greatest Jewish leader in their history but he must learn humility it's been said it took God 40 years to take Egypt out of Moses <laughs> and that sounds right <laughs> He will be this leader that God wants him to be. He will be a prophet, it says, of the Jewish people. And Moses is definitely honored in Scripture as a man of God. It said that he's meek. It says he talked with God face to face. And Moses now will lead a nation of people who resent him most of the time. Moses is 80 years old when God called him into service. Now, I'm not Moses, and don't claim to be, okay? But I did not become a pastor until I was about 55 years old. I know, a whole my age well. I had family and friends that questioned my sanity when I said that, uh, I was coming back to Alabama to plant a Calvary Chapel. My sister-in-law, good Christian lady, and said, uh, what are you going to do if this planting a church doesn't work? I hadn't thought about that too much. (laughs) Good (laughs) question. (laughs) Uh, My own mother wondered about me pastoring a Calvary Chapel when there were other legitimate denominations where I could pastor, why would I choose a Calvary Chapel? Thank you, Mom. Love you, too. (laughs) Uh, But this, believe it or not, produced a humble attitude in me. And it's hard to say that you are humble, but I think it did. Because one of my constant prayers today is a prayer of thanksgiving. And I thank God that he has given my life meaning. That's a biggie to me. And my life has meaning by serving him. And that applies to each and every one of you. God gives your life meaning. For we are servants of God. We are allowed by grace to do lasting eternal works that are not only good for mankind, but they're pleasing to God. There is nothing better in this world than to introduce someone to Jesus Or encourage a person to serve Jesus. That's it. That's the top of the charts. There is an anonymous little poem. And that's simply me saying I don't know who wrote it. (laughs) But this anonymous poem. Only one life to live and will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last and that is so true I was not a young man when I answered God's call upon my life therefore young or old take a page out of Moses's life let Moses's life speak to you today and choose to identify with Jesus And if necessary, suffer for him. Suffer the reproaches of Christ. And he is reproached in this world of ours today. Do that instead of enjoying the passing pleasures of sin or of this world. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you for examples like Moses, like the other prophets, like the Apostle Paul, like John the Beloved. Scripture is just full of these men who devoted themselves to you regardless of the opinions of those around them or the opinions of this world. And Lord, we want our life to reflect a beautiful heart towards you like Moses had. We want your riches to be so surpassing of the pleasures of sin that we do not even consider what this world has to offer. Lord, you're faithful. You tell us that In you dwells the abundant life. And we want that abundant life. We want, Lord, a life of meaning before you. Help us to realize the number of our days and what's important and how we should live. And so may we look at Moses as we study him, as we study the Exodus, and may we draw from it the lessons you would have us know about serving you versus going the way of the world. Help us to do this, Lord. And we pray and ask for this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.